fences try to see the other side But no one's bending Way to shout up bare our souls So we shout opinions But nobody listens For heaven's sake We're missing hope Then saving face And throwing stones So take your mistakes Just let them go Cause don't we Your heart is like the wall of a summer 
tonight Oh, I know It's not always easy But when the winter comes I will always believe in us On the day that I met you You knew that I knew When I said that I choose you
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Come on in. Great to see some awesome fellowship happening this morning. Praise the Lord um, that we get to be here together in this place this morning to worship, to honor the Lord. <laughs> you know, uh, it is a very unique uh, privilege to be able to worship God together among, as the Bible says, among the saints, those who are believers in the Lord Jesus. And we gather here together on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, uh, in remembrance of what Christ has done for us, and that he died but rose again. So that Sunday morning, that third day, represents that day that he rose from the dead and because he has risen, we have new life in him, amen? And so we do that on Sunday morning to begin our week together and to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to begin our time of worship together by reading from the Holy Scriptures. Uh, this is a passage from First Chronicles, and it's the Old Testament. And it's the event where David ushers in the Ark of the Covenant, where in the past they had not, as a nation, and the leadership handled the Ark, the very presence of God, very well. And so he says, this time we're going to do it right. And they give so much attention and detail to making sure that they honor the Lord their God and take his presence very seriously. And then after they usher in that Ark of the Covenant, they celebrate and they rejoice. 
And David writes a song. He writes a song of praise and thanksgiving to God solely because of his presence. Church, have we been thankful for the very presence of God? It's certainly easy enough to be thankful for the good things that he has done for us, and very well we should. But let us now, just in these moments, as I read part of this song of David, let us consider thankfulness for very simply the presence of our God. For we also know the scriptures teach us that as believers, his presence is not just in a space or in a room, but he's in here. He's in our hearts. So he is always with us. Once dwelling in the ark, in the temple, first the tent, then the temple, but now in the hearts of believers called now the temple of the living God. Here is part of David's song of thanksgiving. Let it be our call to worship this morning. I will read and then we'll stand and pray and enter into a time of worship ourselves. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him and sing praises to him and tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name and let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. Sing to the Lord all the earth and tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy are in this place. Church, let's stand together now as I pray and let's worship with joy and thanksgiving in the presence of our living God. Father, I want to thank you for each soul here. Thank you that you have brought them here. You do nothing by accident or out of coincidence. So, Father, as we now stand and join our hearts and voices together, Father, would you have your way with us, even in the midst of surrender and of giving back to you in worship. Lord, meet us where we are. Help us to know, without a shadow of a doubt, how special we are to you. But, Father God, this is a time where we give of ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, it is our desire, our collective desire, to say thank you. To say thank you with a heart of joy that only you can bring for your very presence here with us now. So we worship you. We worship you now before your matchless throne of grace, glorying in your glorious presence. In Jesus' name we say thank you. Amen. Church, let's worship the Lord together. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let 
Hallelujah. Take a minute to say good morning to somebody next to you. Say good morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. We can find our way back to our seats. We can find our way back to your seats or take somebody else's seat, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's great to see such good fellowship. I love it. You know, say good morning to somebody next to you, and it turns into say good morning to everybody. That's great, but I love it. You know, we, we enjoy being together and Saying good morning to many people that perhaps you haven't seen in a while, and somebody new that you're meeting, it's excellent. And that's a big part of being the church, you know, is fellowship, being in community together where you can give somebody a hug, you can give somebody a handshake, you can give somebody a word of encouragement in a very personal way. And so uh, we love to do that here. And just a, a reminder that after our service today, we have that opportunity to continue in fellowship and encouragement around a meal. So today is the first Sunday of August, and uh, so we have our fellowship lunch, our agape feast. And so right immediately after service, everybody is welcome. We have our barbecues, so hamburgers and hot dogs and all the trimmings. And so uh, when we're done with our service, just give the, the setup team about five, 10 minutes to get everything going and the girls fired up and enjoy some extra fellowship. And please, everybody stay. Stay for some food and, and uh, maybe sit with somebody you don't know and get to know a, a new face today. So that'd be wonderful. But of course, we will end our service, end our time together uh, with what we call communion or the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. And so that is when uh, all believers, uh, those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, uh, we do something that Jesus instituted during the Last Supper that last Passover meal the night before he was betrayed. And he said to take the bread and to take the cup in remembrance of him. And it symbolizes his body given for us and his blood, which was poured out for us. And so we do that together um, as a church, as a body of believers. 
in remembrance of him and his sacrifice on our behalf. So that's how we'll end our worship time together. And uh, then from that, we'll move into our greater agape feast where we can continue to encourage each other, remember the sacrifice of the Lord, and remember that he has risen and risen indeed and coming back for us. Amen. A couple other quick um, announcements, what we call church life, before we open God's word together. Just remember that we have these core values here at Trinity, learn and grow and serve. It's how we pursue being disciples, which is simply a learner. A disciple is a learner, a follower. So disciples of Jesus are those who are believers who choose to commit their lives to him, to follow him in every way that he calls us to. And so we learn the truth, we grow in faith, and then we serve. We serve each other, and we serve the world around us. Um, remember also that uh, we're starting to plan and gear up for, uh, for ministries in the fall, and so be looking for um, announcements and information about the uh, men's and women's Bible studies on Tuesday mornings, uh, when that'll start up, and, and uh, please get involved with that if you haven't been able to take advantage of that. The, the men meet early at 6.30 a.m. on Tuesdays, the women meet a little bit later around 9.30 um, and it's a wonderful time of study, and so that's an opportunity for you uh, to take some time to study God's Word. We have a community group that meets on a weeknight, and uh, that'll be starting up again uh, in September next month, so we'll be looking for information before that. Uh, and some other things that the leadership has been planning uh, that been were put on hold for a while while I was on my leave of absence, but we are gearing back up to put those into place come next month. So um, so just be looking for more information in general. Always go back to our website, trinityallenwood.com. That's also where you can follow us on live stream if you happen to be away or you're not feeling well and you want to tune in to enjoy the service together and you can't make it, just go to trinityallenwood.com and right on the, the, the front homepage it says watch live. And so you click on that, you'll be able to join us. So welcome to everybody that's joining us uh, this morning through live stream. Uh, and so many other things that we can say and get caught up in, but um, we want to, uh, to just begin our time in, in the Word of God. And so if you remember, we are in a series and called, um, it's on First and Second Peter, called Following Jesus in a Hostile World. And it really is, I think, appropriate for our time. The Word of God is always relevant but first and second Peter were written to Christians who were facing persecution. And Peter, the apostle, was simply trying to encourage them, remind them who they are, but to encourage them how to live for Jesus day to day in light of suffering and trials, especially persecution. And so our passage today is first Peter chapter five. We've made it to the last chapter. And it is the first four verses. We'll read them in a few minutes together. But uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles or in your Bible app on your phone, it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And Peter talks about elders. He talks about church leadership. And he calls the elders of the church his fellow brothers, his fellow elders, and he calls them very simply, in these four verses, to shepherd the sheep. So today we're going to talk about shepherding. Do we have any shepherds among us? 
Anybody out there shepherding sheep these days? No, not many of us. But I think we all understand what it means to be a shepherd and to have sheep and a little bit of an idea of why in Scripture we as God's children are often called sheep. But yet the sheep need a shepherd. And so churches are called to have shepherds. Of course, Jesus being the great shepherd, the, he's called the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, Peter calls him. But then the elders of the church, of the local assemblies, are considered under shepherds, the overseers, the pastors, those who are shepherding. That word pastor simply comes from the word for shepherd. So pastor means shepherd. To pastor means to shepherd. And so I think we have an idea of what that means. But as we try to follow Jesus in a hostile world, we need to remember that we are not alone and we all, each and every one of us, need help and guidance. And God provides for that in his local churches. You know, I think we can picture what it looks like to be sheep and what a shepherd will look like. But you know, it's interesting about sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals out there. Did you know that? But one of the things about sheep is that they cannot take care of themselves. Isn't that interesting? Sheep by design need care from somebody else. They won't clean themselves. They won't take care of themselves. They won't always look for where the best food is. They don't know how to protect themselves. See, sheep are very vulnerable. Sheep need care. And we all, as Scripture says, are sheep, and Jesus is our good shepherd. But yet, Jesus Christ, who said he would build his church, has designed and put in place in the local assemblies we call the church, small c, the church, a way for the sheep to be cared for. In the picture of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, my Lord, said Peter. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep. In our passage today, Peter now tells his fellow elders who are struggling and persecuted to feed and shepherd the sheep. Let's look at it together. This is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Peter says this, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, 
as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What is Peter exhorting the elders of the local churches to do? Again, these elders, along with the people in their churches, are suffering. And they're, they're having to deal with, on a daily basis, persecution, being mocked for their faith, being left out of important circles, perhaps being um, ostracized from doing business with people, all because they now identify themselves with this Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, be like a shepherd. To the elders of the churches, be a shepherd. Care for the sheep, the Lord's sheep. See, Peter writes this having had that amazing interaction with Jesus himself, when Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Is that interesting? Why would Jesus ask that of Peter three times? What event from Peter's life reminds us of something that happened three times? Did Peter not deny Jesus three times? So in a way, in response to that, Jesus then puts it back on him and asks him this simple question, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course, Jesus, you know. Peter in his way, right? He says, yes, I love you. No doubt. Why would you even ask that? Jesus simply says, feed my sheep. Three times he asks them. You can even sense Peter getting frustrated with Jesus. Yes, of course, you asked me this twice already. The third time, yes, I love you. You know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Now Peter, having grown, a little older, a little wiser, is now teaching that and telling that and instructing and passing that on to the elders of the other churches. And he says, feed the sheep. Shepherd the flock that is among you. Not other flocks, not other Christians, although when you meet them, you can encourage them and your brothers and sisters, but he says specifically, as elders, shepherd the flock that is among you. But that's important. Why is it that elders as shepherds are to focus on the flock among them, as Peter pointed out? Not just every Christian, elders, shepherd, every Christian, specifically he says the flock, the sheep, the people, the church among you those to whom you have been called. Because there are certain things that only a shepherd can do with the sheep, listen, that he knows well. So again, we see the picture of a shepherd and his sheep. Perhaps the most beautiful and well-known picture that God gives us in his word to comfort us, to encourage us, is him as a shepherd. 
Now again, most of us know very little about shepherds and shepherding, but we can understand the basic job of a shepherd. To feed the sheep, to care for the sheep, to protect the sheep. Maybe the most famous of all the Psalms, of all passages in Scripture, is Psalm 23. Many of you might have even committed it to memory. It gives us a wonderful picture of God as our shepherd and what he does for us. Just listen to the words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, there is a reason that that is one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture. Does it not paint a beautiful picture for us of what our shepherd, Jesus Christ, does for us? He provides, he protects. He heals the sheep that are hurting. He feeds the sheep that are hungry. He leads the sheep that wouldn't know how to go or where to go on their own. He is God, our shepherd. Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. So Peter is telling the elders of the church, shepherd the flock as Jesus shepherds us. That's why elders in a local church are really considered the under shepherds because who is our good shepherd? Jesus. Peter calls him our chief shepherd. We are to lead by example as Jesus is our chief example. See, as I read these words and and are reminded of this, I take it to heart. Because you know what? Sometimes these words can be hard for me, for Bruce, for elders of a church to read and be reminded of why. Because it's a great calling and it's extremely humbling to know that Jesus And here through the Apostle Peter says, you are to feed my sheep. Do you see that? That's what struck me most this week, church. And I've read this before and and taught on it before, but he says, feed my sheep. Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. Peter says to the elders, feed the sheep among you because they are his. Do you see that? What a great responsibility. Parents, Don't you sometimes feel that you have your kids, you just enjoy them so much, and sometimes you get so frustrated by them, right? But all the while, you realize there's something in you. It's like, what an amazing responsibility. 
Sometimes it happens at that moment of birth, you know, like you're, you're so excited about the baby coming and you have your baby shower and you're, you're getting all the preparations, you're picking out a name and you're, you're buying the baby clothes and you're doing all that, but at the moment the baby is born, it hits you. Oftentimes, it's with the father because he's standing there doing nothing, right? And all of a sudden it hits him. Wait a second. I'm now responsible for another human being. And it can hit you like a ton of bricks. The responsibility, the weight of that can be overwhelming. And so God has called elders of a local church to shepherd the sheep among them. Only as Jesus leads. See, very simply, as under-shepherds, as elders, as Peter reminds us, we are not to point you towards us, but only to Jesus the chief shepherd. Amen? That's the calling. To feed, to protect, to care for. We are, as Peter exhorts us, his fellow elders, to do for the local assembly, the local church, what Jesus does for the global church, to be the shepherd. I just want to share four brief things. Four brief things that come out of this idea of being a shepherd. And, and really, what helps to lay this out is what it says in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. Listen to what Jesus says. Again, words about being a shepherd in John chapter 10. Jesus says these words. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he goes on to say, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is our chief shepherd. Four things that I think he points out there. The role and responsibility of a shepherd. First and foremost, his. And then the elders, the under-shepherds of the local church. First, the good shepherd is to know his sheep. Sounds obvious enough, doesn't it? Jesus says his sheep listen to his voice and they know him. See, it's personal. A shepherd and the sheep, it's a personal thing. It's not just a job. They're not just a commodity. They're not just animals, these sheep. Shepherds. And sheep have a very personal and intimate relationship. He knows them. They know his voice. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You see that? It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or Lord it is the shepherd, although that would be true. The psalmist says the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We are known by the good shepherd. He created us and he knows our heart. We are to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Follow him where he leads. In our world, we're often conditioned to be our own boss, aren't we? To be in control, to follow no one. Be the leader. But see, the good shepherd, we can trust him completely. He knows what's best. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that truth should bring us comfort. Sometimes maybe it's a scary thought. 
He knows all of our thoughts and all of the things we do in public and in private. But really, it should bring us comfort that the good shepherd, as Jesus calls himself, knows us that intimately. That in the stress and the busyness of life, we can rest in knowing that there is one who always cares, who always wants the best for us, who never tires nor sleeps in his provision and his protection. Because why? Because he knows us. Elders, as shepherds, are to know their people. One important way that elders can know the people of their church is to pray for them, is to pray. And we're called in Scripture to pray continuously, to pray without ceasing, to pray for one another. Church, I pray for you. As the Lord puts on my heart, pray for you individually by name, to pray for you as a church, to pray not only for your cares and your specific needs, but to pray, and I think most importantly, for your growth and your intimacy in Jesus Christ. As an under-shepherd, pointing you to the good shepherd. Praying. The elders that pray over and for their church get to know them. Spending time, fellowship, listening. See, the shepherd knows his sheep. Jesus says he knows us. And that we, as his sheep, we know his voice. Do you know the voice of God? Do you sometimes sense, you're like, man, I can't hear that voice like I used to. I used to be so close. Jesus and I used to be like this, and now I feel so separate and distant, like his voice seems like a distant whisper in the wind. But Jesus is the same. He has not faded. His voice is the same. But as sheep, we are to hear and to know his voice because he knows us. But it's a beautiful relationship that we should take full advantage of because, of course, we also have that thing called free will, don't we? That we don't have to follow the shepherd. We all hear stories about that one sheep that goes astray, that wants to follow its own path and gets itself caught. There's a story I read in a book about shepherding. I I forget the name of the book. I apologize. But the author was talking about the nature of sheep, and he was a shepherd himself, and talking about how every once in a while a sheep would go his own way and would go to find what he thought was good grass for him. Even if it was in the most precarious of places, even on the side of a rocky hill. And he say oftentimes sheep would go, the sheep that were in his care, and go and get stuck and get caught in a rocky-like outcrop and couldn't get out. So what they would do is eat all the grass until they realized, wait, I'm stuck here. I can't get out. So what the shepherd would do, and it's so interesting, the shepherd would go, and instead of rescuing the sheep, immediately when he found them, he would wait for the sheep to grow tired, tired of the struggle, weary because there's no grass left, and then he would gently lower down the rope or go down himself and gently put the sheep on his shoulders and carry him to safety. Now, why would he do it that way? 
because he claims that if he did it immediately, the sheep, as soon as he was rescued, because he still had the energy, would want to still go his own way and go right back to where he was stuck immediately. Like Jesus does that with us. Sometimes he allows the struggle. He allows the persecution. Peter is writing to Christians who are in great trial because of their faith. Sometimes we need to be at that proverbial end of our rope so that all we can do is collapse in the arms of our caring shepherd and let him carry our burdens so that we're done fighting. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever get to that point in your life? That's what Jesus is calling us to do, is stop fighting. He says, I know where the grass is greener. I know where the water is purest. Just listen to my voice, and I will lead you beside still waters. If you follow me, Jesus says, your cup then will overflow. Don't we want our cups to overflow? Don't we want our wells to be refreshed and renewed by the living water of Jesus Christ himself? Why on earth would we go our own way? The elders as shepherds that know their own people. So the good shepherd knows us. But secondly, as Jesus is saying in John 10, the good shepherd leads us. See, in order for us to understand what Peter is saying to the elders of the church, how a shepherd, we are to know what a shepherd does. So the good shepherd, he knows us, but the good shepherd also leads us. We don't often notice it, but God, our shepherd, is orchestrating all the details in our lives. He brings people into our lives for a reason or just for a season. He often cares for us and provides for us in ways that we least expect to bless and to encourage, to have a good friend, to be a good friend to another sheep. He uses us to bless and provide friendship and love for others. And if you let him, God will lead you too. This is called God's providence. Even now as we sit here this morning, God is watching over us, gently guiding and directing our steps as we let him. I'll give you an example of God's providence. God's providence working behind the scenes as our good shepherd. Recently, my wife Claudia was on a, a work trip to Cincinnati, beautiful downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. And on her trip back, on her, uh, there was a, a layover in West Palm Beach, Florida. And as you know, travel isn't these days what maybe we were used to. And so her flight, supposed to come in Thursday night, was delayed by an hour. Then it was delayed by two hours, then three hours, and then canceled altogether. And so at this point, it's late at night. So what are we to do? So I said, you know, Claudia said, I have cousins, relatives that we know fairly well that are there, cousins that we love and, and cousins that, um, that mean a lot to us. And it's so good to have family kind of spread out, right? So you can count on good family, blood relatives. And so I said, Claudia, reach out to my cousins. I think they live right near the airport. Yes, they live 15 minutes from the airport. So she contacted them. The two of them got in the car and went and picked her up, took her for dinner, waited. And this was even before it was canceled, as it was delayed. So they drop her back off at a wonderful time taking care of her. 
God's providence, just a beautiful little blessing that she didn't have to wait in the airport, just have a good meal with some good family to care for her, make sure she's okay. Goes back to the airport, then the plane is canceled. So she calls and the cousins were tracking it. Say, they text her, hey, I saw it was canceled, we're on our way. They come and got her and she was able to stay over. She had a beautiful time connecting with them. One of their grandchildren, their grandchildren was there. She got to spend time with a baby. It's something that Claudia just truly <laughs> was loving and enjoying that she got some baby time in. And so her flight was not uh, rescheduled to the following night, Friday night. So she had a whole day. So it turns out, because of God's providence, we realize that one of our good friends, a younger woman who we've known for many years since she went to high school with my kids, who is a believer, is there living about 20 minutes from West Palm Beach from the airport. So she spends the day with her. She has a baby. Claudia gets in some extra baby time. <laughs> gets to spend some time talking about the Lord and talking about babies and parenting and good fellowship. So Claudia goes to the airport Friday night, and of course, the plane is delayed an hour. Gets delayed another hour, and then it's canceled. So, of course, my cousins are following and tracking, and it's late at night, Friday night, and they say, we're on our way. So they went and picked her up. She got to spend another night with them, and it was rescheduled for the next morning. And so now we're praying, please let this one be it. I can't survive on my own any longer. See, it's all about me, because I was the one suffering home alone. Mm -hmm. And so they say, hey, let's get up and see the sunrise. So they got up, had some coffee, went to see a beautiful sunrise on their way to the airport, got to the airport. The plane finally did take off, and she came home. But the providence of our God, how is he orchestrating things behind the scenes in ways that are so special and so kind and so generous. That's what a good shepherd does. In many different ways and in different times, he cares for us. In God's own timing and providence, he took extra special care of Claudia, giving her friends and relatives who loved her, who took care of her, fed her, made sure that she was comfortable. It's what Jesus does for us. He gives us places of rest, the green pastures, the still waters. Jesus, his heart is one of compassion and love and forgiveness. So even as we sometimes, church, we know it's true, we distance ourselves from him, we choose to walk a different path, there is always those loving arms to welcome us back. The providence of God is waiting because he is patient and long-suffering with his children, with us, his sheep. But especially during a time of trial, of suffering, of persecution for our faith, we are to reach out our hand and let him lead us. Because a shepherd not only knows us, but he leads us. See, Peter is telling us in our passage for today that elders as shepherds are to lead the people, but only as they, as me, as Bruce, as the elders are being led 
by the good shepherd. You see that? Was it not Paul who said, follow me only as I follow Christ? That should be the mantra of every church leader. Just as a conduit, a way of pointing people to Jesus, the chief shepherd. Two more. The good shepherd also gives. The good shepherd is a generous shepherd. And the greatest example of service and humility, the good shepherd gives us eternal life. The promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is far more important than any other thing we can receive in this life. It's not something to earn, not something we deserve. It is a gift, his life for us. It is what we are going to remember in just a few minutes through the communion. The gift is the very life of the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus taught it, and then he exemplified it. That's why he is our greatest example. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep, and he did it willingly. When we trust in that great truth, and believe that he did that for us, we can with confidence say that we are saved. And as the psalmist says, we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Elders in a local church as shepherds are to be generous givers of their time, their giftings, their individual talents with love, and even giving correction and discipline when necessary. But finally, yes, the good shepherd gives. He knows us. He leads us. Finally, the good shepherd, he holds us. Perhaps you've seen pictures before of the, the shepherd with all of the sheep, the 99, right? But there's one that's on his shoulders that he's carrying, one that got stuck among the rocks, one that wanted to go his own way. The good shepherd holds us. He protects us. He cares for us. He promises, Jesus does, that no one can snatch us out of God's hand. Isaiah 41, God's words tell us that we have no need to fear because of that. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is God, our shepherd. The good shepherd is kind and gentle, compassionate and caring. He takes us by the hand to guide us, and he never lets us go. He holds us, and he keeps us. And the good shepherd promises that if we will let him, he will lead us into everlasting peace and joy. Sheep can be stubborn. I could ask for a show of hands from all the sheep here today. <laughs> How many of us are stubborn, right? We'd all have to raise our hand. Sheep can oftentimes be oblivious to their surroundings and even to danger that is lurking around, their cor around the corner. See, shepherds are to protect. They hold on to, they care for, they help to bring healing. They protect the sheep. They need a shepherd. Actual sheep cannot navigate life on their own. God in his grand uh, design has designed the church to have leaders, to have elders, pastors who shepherd. They're called overseers to help lead the people of the church. Where? 
and the path of Jesus and the way of our master. That's what elders are called to do. But we all need Jesus. With his gracious love and tender mercy, Jesus, the good shepherd, uh, shepherd, Peter calls him the chief shepherd, cares for our souls. He guides our every step, and he protects us. He protects us from the wolves in sheep's clothing, the scripture says. Elders, as shepherds, protect the hurting and the injured sheep from further injury. Elders as shepherds are to protect their flock among them from the wolves, from the false teaching, listen, from the world's influence. It's an important part of shepherding, of protecting the sheep. Not creating a bubble where where nothing bad happens, but it's about helping us all as sheep to navigate the big bad world out there to navigate what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, the chief, the chief shepherd, day in and day out, through our daily routines, but in many ways helping to protect the sheep. So some final thoughts, and then we'll gather around the elements to close our service. Peter calls his fellow elders to feed the sheep. Peter three times was told by Jesus, feed my sheep. This is my calling as an elder. This is my commission from the chief shepherd, reiterated here by the apostle Peter. This is extremely humbling, a humbling responsibility that the elders are called to. But as the apostle Paul says, I quoted it before, follow my example only as I follow the example of Christ. That's what under shepherds do. It's our desire to lead but only as Christ leads us. Nowhere else, no other way. For his pastures are the greenest, his waters are the purest, his peace and rest and comfort and provision are the only sustenance that truly matters. Jesus holds Peter to this standard. He tells Peter to feed his sheep. He tells us to shepherd the flock among us. And then at the end of the passage, he says, when the chief shepherd returns, An unfading crown of glory awaits. What does that mean for the elders? It means simply this, do it all for the glory of God. Peter says, don't do it for your own gain. Don't do it to lord it over people. That doesn't please God, the chief shepherd. Do it all for the glory of God. And that's how he ends. And that's how I'll end the message for today. As we move into communion, in a moment you'll hear some music play and you'll be given a a minute or two just of quiet reflection. Quiet reflection to, to think about what it means for Jesus to be your shepherd. Remember Jesus said, sheep hear my voice, they know my voice. Do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Take a minute or two, reflect on that. When you're done, and there's no rush, take as much time as you want. As you're led, you can get up, you can make your way to the table back there by the double doors or one up here, whichever one is closer. Take a piece of the bread, take one of the cups, bring it back to your seat. 
Once we've all done that, I will lead us in taking the elements together. But church, I encourage you, take a couple of minutes, just you and God, not, not your family next to you, you and God. Consider your relationship with him and what it means for you to have Jesus as your good shepherd. The word tells us this, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said these words, this is my body 
which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat in remembrance of his sacrifice for us. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take and drink together, proclaiming his death until he returns. Would you stand with me, please? Our Father and our God, our good, good Father, our good, good Shepherd. Father, as we surrender ourselves to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, Would you lead us beside still waters? Would you make us to lie down in green, lush, and abundant pastures? Would you help us to see how our cup is already overflowing with your goodness, with your love, with your provision each and every day? Our good shepherd, we thank you for laying down your life for us. We remember that now. Help us to remember it always. For as often as we get together, as often as we consider your sacrifice, may we do so with a heart of thanksgiving. You have done that for us. And we are eternally grateful. And Lord, as we enter into a time of fellowship and and of continued communion with each other around the tables, Lord, encourage us to encourage others. Lord, may we have the kind words that people need. May we have the words of witness that others need to hear and to see how you, our shepherd, are leading us providentially. How you, our good shepherd, is listening to our voice. How you are caring for us, the wounded sheep, and how you are protecting us, the sheep who need our shepherd. We thank you, Father God, for your great example. And may we follow it always. We ask for the strength to do so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, please stay for some food and fellowship. Give our setup team about five or ten minutes. Enjoy some other conversations, and the food will be out momentarily.
you are